Hello and welcome to another episode of the Overcoming Life Podcast. I'm your host, Nashawn Garrett. A lot of you guys probably know me from TikTok. Man, TikTok is, um, I don't know, I'm starting to get a little bit away from TikTok, to be honest. Um, mostly because, to be honest, I'm, I feel like I'm putting a lot of work in and I feel like it's not really being exposed enough and it's kind of sad when... You know, you put a lot of effort and energy into something, but it doesn't um, kind of take. But, you know, at the end of the day, I guess it really only takes one person to hear something. So, you know, I'm going to keep posting on it, but maybe not just as much as I I was doing before. Hey, guys, um, we have been in the Book of Romans, and we just recently had um, a friend on, a nurse practitioner whose name is Hound, and we were talking about living as sons of God. We were talking about being... Um, disciplined and those who are not disciplined um, are not really truly sons of God. Um, they're not truly sons. They're not truly adopted. Discipline uh, from God is what allows us to understand and know, hey, yes, you are being disciplined because you are a legitimate son. Um, and we've been talking about the awaiting time of uh being adopted fully as sons and to be adopted fully as a son um i think that looks like body soul spirit i think it looks like the full i think it looks like immortality immortality and so we are given incremental authority according to our training and maturity in in order that we might learn the ways of our father by exercising his authority according to the leading of the spirit and for this reason we are able to make decrees to heal the sick And to raise the dead while we are yet still in training. Even so, we must do so as led by the Spirit. Um, And for those of you guys who are hearing this for the first time, yes, we can raise the dead. Yes, we can heal the sick. Yes, we can. All of these things are in training. But we must be led by the Holy Spirit in order to do such things. But we have been given this type of authority. And while we are in training, we use this authority according to um, the guidelines of the Holy Spirit. And, um, And we have to forget that the law is our tutor in order to bring us into the full measure of the statue of Christ. So a lot of people, and I've heard taught, well, the law, since Christ has come now, we no longer need the law as our tutor. Well, that's not quite true because the law is ushering us in. If we don't know the law, then how can we become mature? So um, the law is is our tutor until we are brought to the full measure of the statue of Christ. And we see this language in um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Um, The law, therefore, has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. And not only to lead us to Christ, uh, because the law reveals and is a shadow and type of Christ, but his mind, um, his heart, uh, his nature, his character. It's Christ in you. It's you learning um, from the law his nature and and character, and then be conformed to that so that you are brought to that full measure. So the sonship message is not merely an understanding that we are heirs of all things and co-heirs with Christ. It is more than just a position, guys. It is a time of training from birth to maturity. And the evidence of this sonship is being led by the Spirit. In verse 14 of Romans chapter 8, we see that all those who are led are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, 
we have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So Paul, Paul is here as he's thinking primarily of the change from the old covenant to the new covenant. The old covenant time period involved slavery, guys. Well, the new covenant brings us out of slavery and into sonship. However, there is another application of this. Uh, so you have the age of Pentecost, which runs parallel to uh, Israel's training in the wilderness prior to their entry into the promised land. So remember, guys, Israel came out of Egypt. They were in the wilderness. During their wilderness time, they came to that mountain and they were supposed to learn obedience by the hearing of the voice of God. It was their time of learning and maturing and growing. But we see that their response to that was complaining and accusing and um, and showing their true colors. So um, the hint, the the age of Pentecost, which is, again, celebrating the giving of the Torah. Um, the, there is a Passover age, which is from Moses to um, Jesus and then from uh Jesus' ascension, 10 days later, from Acts chapter 2, which is the fulfillment of Pentecost, to about 1993, that is called the Age of Pentecost. And it is a time of slavery, guys. And during that time, we are to be learning, excuse me, to be learning to be led by the Spirit. So these things happen not only on a, on a, a corporate level, on a historical corporate level, but they also happen on an individual level. So you and I must go through Pentecost. That is, it's a time of slavery in which we are learning obedience and learning to be led by the Spirit. So Paul recognizes this fact, but he remains optimistic in that he tells the believers in his audience, um, well, he's letting them know that they are getting to, um, they're coming to this place of spiritual maturity. And they are starting to function in the authority of sons. So here's what he tells the Galatians church in uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 7 and 9. In verse 7 we read, Therefore you are no longer a slave but a son, and an if, and if a son, an heir through God. However, at that time when you did not know God, you were slaves to those by which excuse me, to those which by nature are no gods, in verse 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? Paul's comparison is not between Pentecost and Tabernacles, but it's between idolatry and knowing the true God. In other words, men were enslaved to false gods until they came to know God by faith in Christ. The Galatian problem manifests further in the church itself. It shows that even believers can be enslaved once again by their own belief system, right? Their own philosophies, the traditions of men, what they think they know, the way that seems right to men. We can be enslaved by our own belief system. The church can. And indeed, by extension, we find that every believer starts out as a baby, just a babe in Christ. And they need to learn maturity, even as Israel had to be trained in the wilderness during their time of Pentecost. The Galatian problem was specifically about the church 
returning to Judaism and its reliance upon the Old Covenant. The Galatian Christians had come out of idolatry, even as Israel had been called, that is, birthed, out of Egypt. We re- and we see this language in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. But the comparison doesn't end there, guys. The Galatians had followed the path of Israel to Mount Sinai. Are you guys seeing the symbolism? So the Galatian uh, church, or the body of believers in Galatia, are being, um, they're being related and uh, symbolically to Israel. So as Israel came out of Egypt, um, the Galatians had come out of idolatry. As, Gala- as Israel went to um, Mount Sinai, the Galatians had followed the path of Israel as well, where they were in danger of placing themselves under the Old Covenant and its slavery. So there are two forms of slavery. The first slavery is uh, the slavery of Egypt. The second slavery is the slavery of the Old Covenant. And Paul speaks of both forms of slavery in his epistle to the Galatians. And so we know that Paul recognized uh, both types of slavery. Conversely, there are two forms of sonship. The first is that of Hosea 11.1, which says, When Israel was a youth, I loved him, and I called, and out of Egypt I called my son. Where God calls his son out of Egypt, making Israel a son. So, from the day that they were birthed out of Egyptian slavery, they were sons. But the second layer of sonship is coming um, out from the slavery of the old covenant and into the sonship of the new covenant. You guys understand that there are two forms of sonship, two forms of slavery, and two forms of sonship. You have Egyptian slavery in which you come out of the world, right? Come out of double-mindedness. And then there's a slavery uh, of the Old Covenant in which when we come out of that, this Old Covenant um, thinking, we are coming out of uh, the traditions of man. We are coming out of um, our promises to God, the the fact that we think that it's our choice that's, that's leading us, that we are being led by ourselves. It's not your choice. It's his way. It's his leading. It's his promise. And so, again, there are two forms of slavery. There are two forms of sonship. And we have to grow up and mature as sons and daughters of God. There is, therefore, slavery to the world, the worship of false gods. And there is another form of slavery under God himself, which is reserved for immature Christians and is designed to bring them into spiritual maturity. So that slavery under God is designed to teach us righteousness. It's designed to teach us uh, how to be set apart. It's designed to teach us his law, his nature, and his character. So Paul assumes in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, that the Christians in Rome are mature and have abandoned the old covenant as a method of salvation. Hence, they have not received the spirit of slavery, but instead a spirit of Sonship, and again, the Greek word there is hui, h u i o, t h e s i a, hui, thesia, thesia. That was my best. Uh, that was my best try. So again, and that is the spirit of the adoption as sons. In Romans chapter eight, verse sixteen, we read, "The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God." And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and 
fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. So there's a clear distinction that Paul is making between the spirit of God and our own spirit. He distinguishes the spirit from our the soul in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, where he says, May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. As the temples of God, we are three parts, having a most holy place, which is our spirit, a holy place, which is our soul, and an outer court, which is our body. Our most holy place is our spirit. And this inner room also houses the spirit of God. Even as the Shekinah glory occupied the most holy place of the temple. So Paul says that these two spirits have a double witness relationship. In other words, a marriage has taken place inside of us where the two have become one flesh, so to speak. Our spirit has been united with the Holy Spirit. And even though these are yet technically separate, they are also legally one flesh. And by this holy union, the Spirit of God begets Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's God's Spirit and your soul. Do you guys understand that? So your soul is your spirit. So Christ in you is the fruit of the union of the Spirit of God and the, uh, the soul. And that is what God has attended, intended from the beginning. So when Paul says that we are the children of God, he is building upon the foundations of his teaching in Romans chapter 7. Paul had identified with his spiritual I, that is, his Christ identity, not his Adamic identity, which is uh, a slave to sin. We are sons of God, not on account of our identity as the carnal fruit of Adam's seed, but as the consequence of the holy seed of the last Adam, who is Christ, who has begotten us by the Spirit of God. So Christ is begotten in us by the Spirit of God. And this is what makes us sons of God. The last Adam successfully um, has done the work, successfully has done the work that the first Adam was called to do, but had ultimately ended up failing to do. And though the first Adam was called to be a son of God, he became the man of sin in need of a redeemer. So thus we have uh, the process of redemption, salvation, justification, and reconciliation. And all of these things are entirely founded and focused upon the success of the last Adam. This is the basis of the sonship message. No other religion has this truth because coming into sonship and to the adoption of sons can only be accomplished through the last Adam or through Jesus Christ. And this, guys, is what makes Christianity unique. Blessings to you and peace from God our Father. Uh, that's about it for this episode. We'll uh, talk to you guys on another episode. Um, see you then.